As an OD business owner, there are times in your career when you have to make life-changing business decisions. In this podcast series, I'll talk to ODs and business owners who have insight into how things really work, which can help you rethink your assumptions before making those major decisions to avoid expensive mistakes while optimizing their outcomes. This is the Think Again podcast from iThrive by GPM. I'm Scott Jens, your host, and today's episode is Think Globally with guest Mike Delapesco. Mike is president of Quantum Optical, which is an educational and training resource group focused on opticians and staff. And he's a repeat guest on the Think Again podcast. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks for having me, Doc. Pleasure to be here. You know, I know that your group is really about, you know, making sure that practices and their staff are well-informed and educated and everybody's on the same page. But I'm going to lean on your expertise today about um, looking broadly or globally at the business, because with this ramping inflationary growth economy that we have, doctors have to think broadly, globally about their business. When we talk about that, what does that mean? It, to me, it means looking at both sides of the coin, not just how much income the practice can take in, uh, but also looking at the expenses and how much money is going out. Because at the end of the day, what you're left with is your profit. So that's interesting. So the idea is that we often think about maybe our exam rates or other things, but we don't look at our expense side as closely. That is correct. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, the, the first thing that doctors ask for when they hire a consult, business consultant, one of the first things they ask for is show me how I can make more money. Um, and that's only part of the equation. If your expenses are way high, um, you're just throwing that money away when it could be saved and turn it to profit. I have to say that as a former eye care business owner, I was probably guilty of this as much as anybody in the audience. I'm not sure we looked at our costs a lot. And I had a really good friend in eye care who was a founder of a doctor alliance group. His name's Lance Anderson. And he always said, you can't really save yourself into prosperity. But I think that what the economy is doing to us today is making us look at this, and, and we probably should look at it more often or more regularly, I guess you would tell us. Correct. Uh, you know, uh, the economy just brings it to the forefront. When people start talking about the economy and inflation, people start looking about where they could save or, or where they can make more money or how they can increase business. Uh, but it's something that should be done, you know, at least on an annual basis. You know, I think that a lot of practices have the expenses they have. They're a member of a buying group, an alliance, and they have uh, a preferred vendor for lenses, a uh, preferred contact lens supplier. Then they kind of just say, why bother looking? What would you tell them? Keep looking? Keep looking. Um, it You can get the buying groups give great discounts, bar none. They give excellent discounts. And if you just want kind of a scattershot approach to get discounts across the board from multiple vendors, that is the way to go. Uh, but if you contact those vendors, a lot of times you can get even better discounts directly through them, depending on things like how long you've had a relationship with them, how much business you do with their particular uh, company, et cetera. It never hurts to ask is what I'm saying. You know, you never know what the answer is going to be. If you don't ask, you're going to get the discount you're handed. And I mean, we all get the price sheet and are told it's X percent off. And, and I think that what happens a lot in the eye care business is we become very dependent on the relationship with the rep, right? The, the Einstein's bagel delivery every quarter, the, you know, the, within the, the guidelines and the national rules that exist that companies can come in and kind of try to 
if you will, lock us down, we still have to look at those companies' prices. But I guess those are important services those companies offer, huh? Definitely. And and the relationship is what they're counting on. Uh, the, repres- the reps that, that come into the office with the bagels or with the pizzas or with the lunch, uh, they're counting on that, that token, that gesture to enforce that relationship. So you continue to use their company and their services. Right. I think what I take from you, though, on this idea of looking globally at your business is that you got to look at all of it, even though the relationship's there. I, I suppose it's also true we should think about how we and our, our communicate with our staff about what's important. Often the business leader is not always is, is not in sync with others, particularly those who face the reps. What, how big of a problem is that for an eye care business when they think about having clear cost controls, buying standards? Is, is it a big problem or not? It is. You have to be involved with it. So you just can't let your rep come in and, and put up, you know, 25 of their best sellers. You don't have any control over what goes on your board at that point. So maintaining that control, uh, looking over your invoices, asking the questions, asking if you're getting the best pricing, uh, asking if this is the right product for your demographic and things of that nature are all good questions and they're expected questions. And, and speaking to the business leaders who are listening, well, let's also talk to the opticians who may be um, working alongside the business owner, or maybe they are the business owner. How does the, the, how does the sync up on the dispensary side have to happen? What, what do we say to, to each other about, well, this year we're going to use this set of frame, this group, these frame companies and these lens companies. I mean, I, tell us how you might educate a practice to go about making sure that everyone's in lockstep. It's managing it, taking, you know, wrapping your arms around it and taking full control of it. You would uh, get in touch with all your, your vendors. You look at your sales and look who your you know, bigger product lines are through and your smaller product lines. Do you really need 20 different product lines on your board or can you get away with handling, you know, five or six different product lines, uh, condensing a little bit? That might get you a better deal. Uh, working with the vendors that are going to give you a better deal. Sometimes you'll get, nope, that's the best we can do. And vendor B comes in and says, we can do a little better. Maybe you branch out with that. It doesn't have to be a monumental change where everybody has to be involved. Uh, the, the business leaders need to keep an eye on it. And that's the way it's going to be for everybody else. So let's look at some examples of things that can be closely examined on the cost side. And um, I know you've got areas that you train practices to look at. What's a, what's a first example of something that can really help a business be more thoughtful and broad, global, about its assessment of its cost structures? Lab bill would be the first place I look. Mm, yeah. um, what, what kind of lenses are you using? What brand of lenses are you using? Can you get away with a different manufacturer's lens that's cheaper and does the job? Uh, you know, the 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 mantra that the more you spend, the better the lens or the better the frame doesn't necessarily hold true, but you don't want to get down into the, the, the cheap, cheap stuff. But there are a bunch of lenses in that middle zone that could save you a couple of bucks, work just as well for, for your patients, and you might be able to get a better pricing structure on it. That would be just one thing I look at. Another one would be lab discounts. Um, some doctors I know, they get a discount if they pay in the first 10 days of the month, but their bookkeeper doesn't come until the end of the month. So you're losing that 2 3% discount. These are dollars that count. That's really interesting. Let's stay on the lab bill side. The, the thing that you said is products that work equally well or something to that liking. And mm-hmm. I know it was true for me and the opticians in our business that 
we would, I'm just going to suggest, we would sort of piece together patient experiences and then tell people, tell our patients, what was the most effective product? And I'm not sure we used science <laughs> to always make that decision. And so what would you advise when you're educating optical staff in particular, you know, tell them to, to, to look at various products and, and try some on some patients and on others to see if a less costly product is just as effective. Cause it's really hard to know which, you know, polycarbonate lenses, you know, has aberrations from one manufacturer or another, or which progressive sure. works better. How do you educate staff to then give the doctor some good, if you will, more scientific feedback on what works and what doesn't? Well, generally, I'd like to be the, my own Petri dish. And uh -huh. what I would do is I would ask the rep, hey, look, I'm thinking of switching from the brand I use to this particular brand of, of, uh, of progressive lenses. I wear progressive lenses. Can I get a pair for myself? And I'll be the judge. And this way, if my vision is good and I see clear and, and things are fine, then I can recommend it to my patient. I, don't, I generally don't recommend using your, your patients as kind of your, your trial. Uh, but certainly get a pair made for yourself or the doctor or somebody of the staff and get their feedback on it. And then you can take it from there. You can make a more educated decision. Yeah. And I, I suppose to take it to even a broader base, to, I think you said, you know, maybe some other folks on your staff too. So it's not just one experience, but I, I get that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Now, the thing about lab bills is that you can look at early payment discounts and other factors, but a lot of these groups have uh, put a lot of time and money into marketing around a particular type of lens for this year, or a particular next generation progressive. And of course, those all cost more. Do you, do you ever give practices advice to stay with what they've had, stay with the last generation when it works? I'm trying to just you know elicit from you and your expertise in educating opticians and practices what you tell them in terms of thoughts about some of these newer product lines and heavily marketed things that come out. Part of, the, part of the thing we find is that that's ex the exact reason why we wind up in trouble in the first place is because we're using this lens, it works, and we're not going to budge left or right. We're going to stay right here. Uh, there are new products and technologies coming out all the time. Think about if we did that with AR. You know, if we never, if we just stuck with one type of AR, we'd never branch out into the new technologies, the blue light versions of the AR and things of that nature. So it never hurts to try the new stuff. But you have to weigh the cost and the return on your, your investment of those lenses. You know, if it's $300 more, does that patient get $300 more bang for the buck? And the answer okay. is probably not. Yep, that's fair. All right, so let's go to another one. You told me it's related to lab bills. I think you, you mentioned earlier when we were chatting that redos are a big thing in a practice. And I know I had a problem with that. In my practice, I was always trying to find a way to make the patient happier. And sometimes that involved redos, but, but there's serious expense there, I suppose. There is, you know, the, the, at the dispensing table, it's real common for a doctor to say, or, or an optician to say, or a dispenser to say things like, if you can't wear them, don't worry about it, bring them back and yeah, we'll do something else. You know, the non-adapt policies that our labs offer us are bar none the best. You have to ship those glasses back. There's a shipping expense. There's an edging expense. Um, a lot of times the coatings may not be included in the non-adapt policy. So when you send those lenses back to have them remade, there is an expense to that that comes back to haunt you. So it's not a free redo. Same thing with scratch warranties. So when you send lenses back, you have to look at what you're being charged. 
Boy, I, I doubt that most of our listeners actually look at that. Would an exercise be to, you know, take it a month, uh, the redos and, and make sure that you, even if it's a month later, look at the invoices, the line item by line item. Do, do, do you suggest that doctors and staff do that? Oh, yeah. The, the lab bill is one of those places where there's a whole ton of hidden gems in there. Uh, and when you start looking at how much money, say, you're, you're paying for edging uh, uh, per job, and then you start looking at, well, gee, maybe I should get my own edger at that point, since I'm spending X amount of dollars per job on edging, and I'm doing X amount of jobs per month, maybe it's more cost effective for me to bring it in house. If you don't look at your lab bills, you'd never have that conversation, whether you decide to bring it in house is entirely a different discussion. But at least you'd have some numbers in front of you to understand whether or not it'd be cost effective to do your own lab work, send it out where your money's going to the lab, and what your free redos that you're offering your patients are actually costing you at the back end. I probably had a half dozen of our listeners who are my friends and colleagues slap, up, slap me upside the head by, by slapping their phone listening to this when I said, actually look at a redo lab bill. But I, I can honestly say, I don't know that I've ever done that. And I, I, it, it's really insightful that you suggest we actually look to see what comes through because the words are come off the tongue so easy of the rep, right? Oh, we'll give you a redo or X number of redos, but you just don't know what that includes. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, let's go to the frame side. Uh, what kind of areas should we look at there? Frames are one of those things that that there's so many to pick from. You have so many options to pick from, so many vendors to choose from. Uh, It could get overwhelming at times. Again, one of those questions I would ask is, is the best discount you can give me? If you're taking in a new line with a new rep and you don't have a relationship, maybe you're not going to get the uh, the top dollar price. But if you're working with the same reps uh, for years and you have a relationship with them, it never hurts to ask. Maybe you can get a discount on it or what's on sale or, uh, you know, things of that nature to find out where you can save money on your frames as well. Do you sense that eye care practices carry too many frames? I think they carry a too broad of a selection. Uh, A lot of practices I've worked with tend to work with, you know, 15, 20 or so different frame vendors. And the attitude is they want to be able to get any frame any patient wants at any time. Generally speaking, patients don't come in and ask you what kind of frame they want. They pick off the frame board. That doesn't hold true all the time. Uh, But, you know, generally what you have on the board is what the patient's going to select from. So having all these frame vendors kind of minimizes your, your ammunition to have a frank conversation with a handful of reps. So if you're working with five or six different reps and dedicating a certain amount of frame board space to them, your chances of getting a better discount through that company are increased versus having five or 10% of that board space for them. Fair enough. We've been talking about expenses, right? But in thinking globally, I guess the other thing about frame pricing is that your discounts end up relating to what you charge for frames and should a doctor and optician team up to think about their markups and what their formulas are. That's another area that probably should be examined pretty closely and should be actively managed. Absolutely. And and it goes to say, you know, your price list, whether it's frames or lenses, your price list should be examined uh, annually, if not sooner as well. And, and the reason being is stuff goes up. We're looking at things going up, gas, uh, and everything associated with fuel is going to be more expensive in the coming months. So if you're selling your product for the same pricing you were selling it for last year, you're effectively losing money. Uh, people are accustomed to pricing going up. It's just the way things are. They roll their eyes. They're not happy about it. 
but prices are going up in every market. So what we hear a lot is, oh, I don't want to raise my prices. It's going to scare my patients away. No, it's not because they're not running out of the grocery store. They're not running out of Costco's. They're not running out of, you know, any place else. They're, they're, they're taking it on the chin and they're buying the products, especially eyewear. We're not selling it for price. We're selling it for the value to your eyes. So there is a, a, a different cost model when it comes to eyeglasses versus a lot of other commodities. And being somebody who is an expert on training, um, tell us a little bit about just the broad topic of managing staff and staff expenses. Most of us are struggling <laughs> with staffing right now, but um, what kind of insights do you have from your experience in training practices that can deal with expenses on the staff side? This is the time when, when, when business gets a little tight, this is the time where people try and save money in the wrong spots. And one of them is on their staff. Either they let people go or they replace them with uh, either untrained people or, or lightly trained people and figure they'll train them on the spot. That doesn't happen. Uh, it, it just never happens. It's a good idea in theory, but when they get to the practice, everybody's too busy doing their own stuff to really train that new hire in the ways of optics or, or sales or whatever the case may be. Uh, but you got that person for $12 an hour. You know, if you, then you look at the quality of the work and the sales they make and, you know, multiple pairs and enhancements and things like that. And you go, yeah, that person's worth every bit of $12 an hour, maybe hiring somebody at a higher level with experience, spending the money on the staff to have a smooth running ship might be something to consider. I don't say it always works, but trying to save money on an in inexperienced person may cost you money in the long run when it comes to redos, unhappy patients, uh, you know, uh, eyewear that doesn't fit properly, et cetera, et cetera. The salary is not where you really want to save money. Hmm. That's really insightful. I mean, it seems contradictory at a time of expanding inflation and costs uh, going up that we would invest more in the people, but you make a good point. It's, it's logical. If you're hiring the person that has to be trained on the spot and uh, their first month, three months, first year are only so-so, and then you end up getting rid of them, and it, it really costs you in the long run. And I, I know that there's a lack of quality candidates that doctors are having to pick from, so it can get really dicey. But the idea of trying to create an incredible culture. So people that are in your area that have worked somewhere for a long time might want to come work for you because things are so amazing there. Uh, it takes a long-term commitment to great culture. And, and then it takes a commitment to investing in those people properly. So I uh, appreciate you saying that. Are there any other areas in our, you know, thinking globally about our business that you want to point out before we wrap up today? I would, uh, I think we covered them all. Doc. I think, you know, looking at your bills and your expenses is one, looking at your price list and what you're charging is another. And then looking how your, your, your business is being managed, whether it's being managed by your reps or managed by your key people is a real important part of the puzzle. And if you look at those three things, you're going to find money in the couch cushions. Absolutely. Well, as always, Mike, I appreciate your expertise and your willingness to share it with us. I hope that this has motivated some folks to dig in a little bit. Thanks for joining I us. I hope so too. Thanks for having me, Doc. Always a pleasure. And that's it for today's Think Again podcast, brought to you by iThrive from GPM.